the gift was given through the birth of a baby. It cost us nothing, but it cost him everything. I'd like to begin by reading part of the Christmas story with you again this evening. You've heard bits and pieces of it already, but let me pick up the story at Luke chapter 2, verse 6, where it says, while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for the baby to be born, and Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Christmas is good news. I bring you good news of great joy. That's the declaration that was made. I bring you good news of great joy. Christmas means that God sent his one and only son, Jesus, into the world to be our savior so that we could experience profound, unlimited, excessive joy, great joy. This is good news of great joy. So Christmas is a time to celebrate that God loves us because that brings joy. The most famous verse in all of the Bible is really a Christmas verse. John 3:16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And at another place in the Bible, it says, Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his steadfast love endures forever. So many places, repeatedly, the Bible speaks about this great, immense, profound love of God. And because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, reaches out to us to rescue us by his grace, and he gives us new life, a new life that is eternal, never-ending. It's no secret. As far as the Bible is concerned, it's no secret. God loves us. And Christmas is an invitation to celebrate his love. I love this verse in Galatians 4, verse 4. It says, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. We have a couple of pregnant ladies in our church family, and they're wishing that the fullness of time had already come. You know? It's like, okay, let's, let's get on with this. <laughs> it's time. But so at the perfect time, at the, at the precise moment ordained by God, the perfect time in the history of the world, God sent forth his son to demonstrate that he loves us. So by all means, enjoy your presence and enjoy your, your family and enjoy your Christmas turkey. But don't forget that God sent his son Jesus to declare his love for you that is perfect and full and free. Secondly, Christmas is a time to celebrate that God is for us. The Apostle Paul in, in the uh, epistle to the Romans in chapter 8 asks this rhetorical question. If God is for us, who can be against us? And the, the answer 
that he's expecting is obvious. Well, nobody. If God is for us, then no one can be against us. And that's precisely his point. God is for us. None of us really knows what 2019 will bring. But if we know that God loves us, and if we know that God is for us, what more do we need? If we know that God loves us and we know that God is for us, it doesn't matter who or what stands against us. Bring it on. We're ready because God loves us and he's for us. He's in our corner. He's, in, he's on our team. He's the captain and the coach and the manager and the, the owner. He's got this. You know, but for some reason, even though we know God loves us and we know that God is for us, we, we still want something else, something more, something different. For some reason, we're still not satisfied. We always want more or bigger or better. And as a result, true satisfaction is really hard to come by. When you're always wanting something else, it's hard to get satisfied, Right? One author has pointed out that we continually live for the next thing. Always looking for the next thing. The next thing on your to-do list or the the next job or the next adventure or the the next vacation or the next promotion or, or the next whatever. The next thing. We're always waiting. We live for the next thing. Which makes it almost impossible for people to be satisfied with the here and now and with what we have. And with who we're with. We're always looking for something else and something more, something better, something bigger. It's impossible to be satisfied with what we have today. And this is really never more apparent than it is at Christmas time. I'm glad that Sears stopped sending out the catalogs. Because my wife would always put them in the bathroom and I would... Well, never mind. Uh, but you go through those catalogs and you just you start seeing all the stuff that you need, right? Am I right? I, I need that. Oh, 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 and I need, and I, you know, you dog ear the pages, turn the pages down to kind of hint that this is what you'd like. And all that ever did for me was make me unhappy with what I already had. I didn't need any of that stuff. The stuff I already had was more than enough. So it just makes you unsatisfied. Children rip open their presents, shredding and scattering the paper like a tornado had just touched down. Each gift is beautiful, really nice, carefully selected by mom and dad or grandma Christie. Uncle Bob sent a nice gift from Vancouver. And Auntie Linda, well, she always sends stuff that surprises us. But when the ransacking is over, the kids stand in the midst of all that paper and all those presents and and say, is that all there is? Aren't there more presents? Right? You know it's true because you did it too. (laughs) We forget to treasure and we forget to savor. And the pressure of constant wanting dissipates all the gratitude. But here's another perspective. Here's another perspective. That's the way God made us. God made us to to yearn. God made us to want something more. He really did. 
He created us to always be hungry for something we can't get, to always be missing something we can't find, so that, so that we're compelled to find what we need in Him and in Him alone. So it's not the wanting that corrupts us. It's wanting the wrong thing. What are you wanting this Christmas? That's the question. Thirdly, Christmas is a time to celebrate that God is with us. We sang the song, Emmanuel. God is with us. Well, I'm going to turn over now to the Gospel of Matthew for just a moment. I want to read Matthew's Gospel approach to the birth of Jesus. It's just as precious to us as Luke chapter 2. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the writer says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So his, his everyday name is Jesus. Jesus is a Greek translation of the Hebrew name Joshua or Yeshua, which means Jehovah saves, God saves. And so here Jesus becomes the Messiah who would save his people from their sins. His name means so much to us. There is no other name uh, given to men under heaven by which we must be saved. Jesus is the name. But he would also be known as Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this means that we're never alone. This means that we, we always have company. This means we always have access to Jesus. This means that we can go to him at any time because he's always with us. Wherever we go, he goes. And at the same time, Christmas is such a lonely time of year for so many people. Not just those who are grieving the loss of a loved one, but I don't know what it is about Christmas, but it just seems to bring out the, the best and, and, and the worst in us. In fact, the Canadian Mental Health Association tells us that during the month of November, late November, and all throughout December, there are more calls to the Canadian Mental Health Association by de depressed persons than any other time during the year. And the numbers really don't uh, step back down to normal until toward the end of January. Folks, there is a profound sense of loneliness in our culture. That's why we started our, our service with that little video. We, when we are together, when we are together, good things happen. When we are together as believers in Jesus, we are the church. 
and we lean on one another and we bear each other's burdens and we, we love each other. I mean, even today, on, on, on this day, there were 1,900 emails that went in and out of my inbox about a, about a funeral that's taking place uh, through one of our, our church families has lost uh, a stepdad. And, and, and so many people in our church are just available. They just want to help. And, and it's such a lonely time of year for so many people. But there's, there are, are, you might have thousands of friends on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, but you can be lonely at Christmas. And that's what makes this, this Christmas verse so important, Matthew 1, 23. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? Say it. God is with us. God with us. Jesus is God with us. Christmas means God is here. So it's no wonder the angel uh, told the shepherds, don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid. God is here. Don't be afraid. I know it's a strange appearance and a strange happening. The sky's lit up, but don't be afraid. We're just signaling the fact that God sent his one and only son into the world. And God is here. He is with us. Emmanuel. You don't have to be afraid. You may have been abandoned by your spouse. You may have been disregarded by your parents or deserted by your children. Or forsaken by your friends. Or fired by your employer. But God will never abandon you. God will never leave you. He cares about you way too much. Look at this verse, Hebrews 13, 5. God has said, never, ever will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That has got to be one of the best verses in all of Scripture. Don't you think? What a, what a tremendous promise to believers, to those who, who are walking with God, to those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. The promise is, I will never leave you. In fact, there are five negatives. If, if you could read the Greek Testament, you would, you, would, you would see that there are five negatives. No, never will I leave you not. Never will I forsake you, is what it literally reads. I mean, God, is, God is, is so intentional about us getting the message that we can depend on His presence with us at all times when we are believers in Christ. And because God is with us, He says in Isaiah 43, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire... You will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Oh, yeah. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Wow. I mean, how could you not fall in love with a God who loves you that much and provides that much protection? See, I don't know what problems you're facing these days. You may feel like you're drowning in a sea of trouble. I don't know where the stress points are for you. I don't know which of your relationships may be tanking. But I do know that whatever it is, and wherever it is, and however it happened, and whoever is involved, Jesus knows about it, and he cares about it. 
And he wants to walk through the fire with you. He wants to walk through the the river with you to hold your hand and get you through it. That's the offer tonight. So why not celebrate Christmas this year by placing all of your trust and all of your confidence in Jesus? Why not? I mean, you've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. Trust in him. Put your faith, put your confidence, put your belief, put your faith in him. Christmas is a time for celebration because everyone who receives Jesus by faith becomes a genuine child of God. Look at this verse. John 1.12 says, To all who receive Jesus, he gives the right to become children of God. All they need to do is trust in him to save them. So how about it? How about putting your trust and your confidence in Jesus tonight? Will you trust in Jesus today? The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if you you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Exactly one year ago today, right about there, a friend of mine came to a service that we had here where I invited people to put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ. And he did. Exactly one year ago today. And just the other day, he told me how much his life has changed. How grateful he is that he met the Savior. How glad he is that he's at the gathering. And how tremend- what a tremendous impact Jesus is making on his kids who are part of a, a small group in our kids' gathering. I mean, the guy was just, he was just exploding with praise for what God had done. So, so, so maybe it's your turn today. Maybe, it, maybe it's your turn to put your, your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. See, the, the church can't give you salvation. Uh, Holy Communion doesn't gain you any points. Uh, baptism doesn't m- make you a Christian. It, it's faith in Jesus Christ that turns the key to eternal life. And I I invite you, in fact, I urge you to put your your trust in Jesus tonight if you haven't already done so. Talk to God and just let him know that you'd love to be part of his forever family. Dear Lord Jesus, I need you. I know that my life is is a wreck without you. And I want to turn from my, my sin now and put my trust and confidence in you as my Lord and Savior. I turn my back on my old life, and I head toward you. Father, rescue me from my sin, that I might live the kind of life that's pleasing to you. That's all it takes. So why not take that step of faith? It's not a blind leap. It's well-reasoned, well-supported in all of Scripture. So I encourage you tonight to trust in Jesus. Would you pray with me, please? Gracious Father, today, um, like every day, is a good day to remember that you sent your one and only Son to be with us, to be Emmanuel, to be the, the one who can forgive us for our sins. And from beginning to end, salvation is a gift of grace. We know that, Lord, not by any work or any good thing that we might do. And Christmas, why well, Christmas is a time of celebration. And Father, that's why so many of us are here tonight. We've come to celebrate Jesus. 
And so we bow down before the Savior King and we worship Him, placing all of our trust and all of our confidence in Him. For He is worthy to be praised. Amen.